This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, true, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, and subscribe to the subreddit at r slash ObsessiveViewer. Uh, how's it going, Tiny? Magnificent. Awesome. And we're joined in the Obsessive Viewer Studios, my apartment, uh, by our good friend, Greg Lenz, who did not make it to Shocktober Normington 2. Let's talk about that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I had an impromptu wedding <laughs> that I've known about for every bit of a year and didn't get the dates right. <laughs> oh, my God. That sucks. So, That's, yeah. I felt... They don't know that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you want to know the funny part? Thursday, I am driving to record We Are Libertarians, which I'm, I have a podcast uh, that I'm on, right. and um, I get a phone call says, hey, where are you? I'm 465 South, headed down to uh, uh, my co-host Chris Bangle's place, and like, well, I'm, uh, I'm in traffic right now, I'm on my way, and then I didn't know who it was, and it's up, sure enough, best man. Oh, my God. Oh, oh uh, I'm on my way, right? I'm sorry, traffic's terrible. Oh, no. Rehearsal dinner. I guess no wedding planner, guess who gets to... Uh, conduct it and doesn't have any of the stuff ready and everyone's just waiting on me and 30 minutes late <laughs> oh, my oh my god, god. You and, had and, said... and when the the parents are already hesitant about not having a real minister or a real <laughs> officiant or anything <laughs> don't let For... me tell you i got things kicked off well and i was like well this just moved everything up a day <laughs> so that means i better uh i gotta go get everything done because i had to be yeah. the wedding was at five the next day i hadn't written anything i didn't Oof. my suit like i didn't take it to the dry cleaner oh my god I oh no was like oh and i have to be at for at the hotel at one so i'm like so basically from when rehearsal dinner ends at nine until one i have this period and just didn't sleep and just pounded everything out i oh had to my do god. Oh my god. and then showed up and was like all right time for two bourbons <laughs> <laughs> we're live how did it go, did it go well though? it went well no mess nice. ups. no mess ups Very the actual nice. only mess up wasn't on me it was on a miscommunication about um who was going to be saying a prayer blessing during the ceremony originally the father was going to and he decided not to and that was never communicated to me so i had to freestyle uh-huh. a prayer blessing the marriage oh during wow. the ceremony and you're the perfect person for that. Oh, you're a six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. <laughs> you're oh, so pious. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, when you think of godliness, you know, oh, yeah, I'm your guy. First person that comes to <laughs> <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> About um, this Hitler page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, On God. that note, uh, we'll give you a pass. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, I appreciated you actually telling me that you couldn't make it. Oh, um. I was dying. And I was like, I actually was like, there's no way I can not do this. Because mm-hmm. I didn't. Like I wanted to do it, but I wasn't amped. Yeah. So I was like, "What are the odds I could find a fill in?" <laughs> and like, nope, that isn't going to happen. Like, yeah. and so then I was like, "Okay, I have this condensed period of time where I was. I bet my blood pressure is three twenty over two twenty five. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember looking in the mirror before I I had to be at the church or at Mavris, and I looked right in the mirror and I had to just pour Visine in because I was just oh. I was like sweating pouring like i hadn't slept Jeez. i just i looked classy and very holy <laughs> <laughs> i looked like the embodied minister that yeah. sounds you looked like s- most priests i did <laughs> i felt like a baptist that like loves to get bit by or one of the no the uh the people pentecostals pentecostals yeah, yeah i was like i've been bitten by a snake i'm recovering it's no big deal <laughs> 
Jeez. <laughs> but it went incredibly well. The pictures, like, nice. turnout was awesome. Nice. Nice. Good. Yeah. No, oh, no. Oh, you're Shocktober. Shocktober. Yeah. Oh, Shocktober. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't have been. Like, oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Like, because people, let's be honest, people don't act. They do not come for me. <laughs> right. Some do, Greg. Some. Sell yourself short. Let's be honest. No, no, no they no, don't. No, no, no. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> They're like, why is this guy up here? <laughs> yeah, he, no. he looks racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it went, it went great. By the way, did you ever pay Dale for the theater? Yeah, he hasn't oh, cashed cool. it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. That doesn't surprise me. Um, I know. I've emailed him twice, and the money, I check it every morning, and has not been clear, out of the account yet. So I'm like... Well, as long as he has it. It's, you know... Yeah, that's what matters. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, but you know, uh, next year <laughs> we'll, we'll do better next year. <laughs> yeah, we promise. Yeah. We'll do better next time. Yeah. <laughs> that is the catchphrase for real libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Which do you want to pit? Do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, we are libertarians. What it is Promote. is, um, if you don't know what a libertarian is, it means we're basically we think you should. It's nobody's business about uh, the money you make and it's nobody's business what goes on in your bedroom or what drugs you take as long as it doesn't hurt the other person feel free and so what we do is we discuss current news and analysis from that framework of you know should mike huckabee be trying to drive the gays out of america and burn them (laughs) or should you know you just take other people's things and say well since the group decided we're going to keep this and we're going to have this and freedom right (laughs) (laughs) which which would you say that qualifies you even more so than anyone else to be a guest on a movie and TV podcast? <laughs> I would because I was the first host. Thank <laughs> yes, you. That's true. Thank you for not mentioning that. <laughs> it's great to be back on the show I hosted. <laughs> Until I was so unceremoniously never invited back You've except for on one a political episode. You've been you a couple in, episodes. Yeah. And you, October 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making. Aaron Sorkin references on Shocktober, a horror movie festival. (laughs) It's just like in the West. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, before we get on to our topic, which, by the way, today we're talking about uh, uh, Steve Jobs, the new Aaron Sorkin and Danny Boyle movie, starring Michael Fassbender, um, which we'll talk about that briefly, but uh, I just have a curveball for you, Greg. Mm -hmm. Uh, What movie best represents the libertarian ideals? Have you ever Mm -hmm. seen A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson? That's, yes, uh-huh. I have, and it deserves to burn. Yes, I have, and I hope it burns in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of the line. <laughs> that was bad. That is the perfect representation of the. This is what the law says. It's an immoral law, and what actually happens is jury nullification. Even though he was guilty of all those crimes, in the United States, people don't realize that is how you can stop injustices. When like um, you're the when you know you like for instance and this is ter- probably a terrible reference but let's say you're you and your girlfriend are 15 years old you're in high school and you're dating and all of a sudden you have to register as a sex offender because her parents don't like you right that isn't a law that should be on the books right because this guy is not a pedophile he's not jared fogel there's no you know there's no reason he should have to be on a registry the rest of his life and so in this case like in a time to kill he gets his day in court mm-hmm. they decide no and we are we are not even though he broke the law we don't care Right, and that is the ultimate libertarian thing: is if it is something, it's an immoral law, or the law is being misapplied, we push back against it and say this is stupid, mm-hmm. you know. And so that is one of the big things: is the jury nullification, which happens in that trial, and whether laws are moral or not, and whether laws are just or can be justified. Right. Cool. You know, like should Matt Hurt have to be on the registry? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like where this conversation is going. <laughs> the <now>. dating registry. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that well yes, is but it. yeah, it's uh, WeAreLibertarians.com. It's <laughs> yes. me and my co-host uh, Chris Spangle, who's been on. He's he's, he's been he's, on one episode. He's been invited to be on this magnificent podcast. <laughs> yes, he has a standing um, invitation. No, he was invited the, once. No, he has he has a standing invitation. He was on once. Yeah. Yeah, no, on, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh. you know. I think he was on one of the PopCon episodes. I don't know. He might have had a sore throat or something. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry. I just meant the one where he was, like, featured. Oh, yeah, the one where we had horrible audio quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Total troll. Well and done. And we were down one host, too. It was just me and Mike with him. Yeah, I, had, I couldn't make it. I had to work. Yeah. I, anyway. Let's be honest. You didn't like him. <laughs> still don't. He's a libertarian. Nobody still likes don't. us. <laughs> He's Chris Spangle. No one likes him. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. I am just kidding. The Spangle wrath of God is going to come down. He has 5,000 <laughs> Facebook friends that are about to descend upon you. Which is exactly oh why I'm name-checking him so that they know who I am. <laughs> Brilliant. Really. <laughs> no, I love We Are Libertarians. I've been a regular listener since episode 30. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly. Episode 30. Um, right around the Mitt Romney like. You know, securing the nomination yeah. in 2012. Because mm-hmm. that's when I, I don't know why I was asked to be on, and I didn't, at the time, was not. I've always been a libertarian. I just sometimes would listen to Rush Limbaugh. Just didn't know it yet. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Rush Limbaugh's really dumb. <laughs> you know? And then yes. I'm like, actually, oh, the Democrats are dumb too. <laughs> Ron Paul. <laughs> oh, you're on. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. So, so if you do anyway. like politics, I bet you anything you agree with our perspective, unless you just enjoy theft or. Uh, <laughs> um, hate homosexual marriage then you're gonna like us yeah <laughs> agreed nice well said yeah thanks I'd... for listening matt i appreciate it oh yeah well I... <laughs> that's uh... those who live in glass houses should not throw stones <laughs> <laughs> well it's not like spangle listens to us anyway <laughs> i'm on it too no and you don't listen to us either i did i've listened forever i haven't listened to any podcast but right you've never, yeah you don't know what a libertarian is well i know yeah well now i do <laughs> they like Hitler memes. <laughs> no, for uh, for the record, Greg did ask if Mike was going to be on the podcast I this week. I have a. You can imagine my podcast player has quite the backlog. Yeah, yeah, mm, I bet. Uh, yeah, or, so, I, or was I just trying to open up a raw wound, Matt? I, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, so anyway, so today we're talking about Steve Jobs. Um, if you're still listening, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Steve Jobs is the latest movie from Aaron Sorkin and Danny Boyle, um, two people who I am a huge fan of, and yeah. I know that you guys are huge fans of Sorkin, and um, I'm sure Danny Boyle as well. Why don't we go around and just say first, let's tell our relationship to Sorkin and Boyle, um, and and uh, our our how we saw the movie and what context we, we saw the movie. Uh, Greg, why don't you start? Since okay. You're you want me to? Or, yeah, sure. Okay. For me, um, I am probably up there. Jo- jobs for me, my fanboy level is at the same level of Aaron Sorkin. Hmm. I, my favorite movies are all his movies. A few good men, Charlie Wilson's war, the American president, uh, social network, you know, on and on and on my favorite TV shows, studio 60 on the sunset strip, which <laughs> was one season. And I thought it was the best comedy I'd ever seen. Um, but I thought in this movie he took it to a level that um, if 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 you like his type of dialogue where it's a movie where nothing happens, mm-hmm. the biggest thing that happens is him probably washing his feet in the toilet. Yeah, like that's the major <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like that's the major action scene. Right. And yet I thought I was fascinated. He captivated me. The people are. You know, it's not real life because no one's that intelligent and mm-hmm. is able to you know quote. Uh, Pericles off the top of their head. Right. But he's able to, I think it's something to aspire to every time I see his movies. It makes me feel like, you know, 
it's not okay to be stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also what Jobs Jobs was the master of. We're an aspirational brand, and Apple's an aspirational brand. Yeah. And I thought they captured it. Now, Danny Boyle, I could use a brief refresher on his top films because <laughs> I, I, the movie he did, like the, getting that film out of that Walter Isaacson book was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. He Danny Boyle has uh, he's done several movies. One of my favorite directors. He did Twenty Eight Days Later, Sunshine. Oh. Okay. Uh, Trance most most recently, I believe, uh, One Hundred and Twenty Seven Hours. Transpotting. And, uh, transpotting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like I'm forgetting. Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. That, was Oscar. that his one? The one that, that won the Emmy. Won an Oscar. Or the for Oscar. That. But did that yeah. like springboard him to the next level of like A-list? Yeah. Pretty much, it did, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and then I, I think he also did like one other independent movie that he started out with. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. I haven't seen it, but. Um, millions? Shallow Grave. Oh, and Millions. Was millions. he Shallow Grave? I don't know. Probably. That's a pretty but, ridiculous resume. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and he's incredible. He's not that old, is he? Uh, I think he's in his... Is he early 50s, late, late 40s? Late 40s, I think. Mid to late 50s, I think. 50s. Oh, is he that old? I think so. And Sunshine is one of my favorite movies ever. It's it's just a, a beautiful sci-fi movie with su- such great uh, subtext about science and religion and faith and all that. But um, it's funny because on the Blu-ray, and I've said this before on the podcast, he does a solo commentary track, and it's like his... Like the energy he brings to that, like he holds it down on his own, and he seems like such an affable and such a friendly guy. And like at the end of it, there's a there's a shot of um, there's a scene in the movie shot at a park, and at the end of it, he's like, oh yeah, this is like he name checks where the park is. He's like, yeah, I'm always I'm always jogging through the park. If you're ever around, <laughs> come say hi. <laughs> like he's like yeah. the nicest. And like when he won the Oscar, he he. Uh, he jumped up and down on stage, and then yeah, okay, like yeah, he yeah. opened his acceptance speech with like I told. I think he said I told my daughter that if I won, I'd jump up like Tigger. I was like, man, I want to, I want to just, I want to hug him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So tiny, uh, your your relationship with Sorkin and Boyle and and uh, yeah, um, I think my first introduction to Sorkin was The West Wing. Um, I wasn't really too familiar with his movies. I had seen him before, but I'd never really made the note of hey, that's Sorkin. Um, but he's just such a distinct writer that, um, you, you just, you know, when you're watching Sorkin and, and you know, when you're hearing it and he just has this knack for bringing out amazing performances in, in, in actors, um, even though he's not a director, I I think his writing is that powerful. Um, so I think the West Wing really took it off, really launched it for me. And then I saw, uh, Studio 60, which I think is some of his best work, um, and then Charlie Wilson's War is oh. such a tight, borderline flawless movie. I love that movie so much. Um, and and at The Social Network, I think, is probably one of the best movies of the first decade of the 21st century, if you ask me. Um, so I love Sorkin for all that. Um, and then to have him paired up with Danny Boyle, I was just so, so excited. Um, I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't go so far to say I coined this, but, um, I, Referred to him, in, I have referred to him in the past as the Swiss Army knife of directors. Oh yeah, because uh, he never makes the same movie ever. They're all different. Um, look at Train Spotting, which is like a a heavy drug, dramatic shock movie, and Twenty Eight Days Later is basically horror. Um, you have Slumdog Millionaire, the yeah, you know, so love the, story, yeah, and, and right, oh, so many great you know, flowery, uh-huh. feel good trends. Oh yeah, yeah, he's just not. He never makes the same movie. It's, and millions, it's just, yeah, millions a, is such a unique, yeah, so, such a down right so all, all his movies just are so separate from one another it's just a really impressive resume like greg said 
Well, I mean, do you? What did you think? I was shocked those two. Or actually, no, because Danny Boyle, like Matt said, so affable and like it seems mm. like he's such a good guy. Yeah. And Sorkin's so damn demanding. Yeah. And exacting yeah. and arrogant. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's not this, it's not pure, and I'm not doing it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he, they were able to take. Uh, when I read the, the or when I heard Sorkin do his first press junket about or like what he how he was going to structure it. Yeah. Before three product launches. Really major, skeptical. Like no nope. No, not gonna work. <laughs> not gonna work. This this better not be malice, or I'm not watching. You know? <laughs> oh, let's talk yeah. about the structure a little bit. Well, uh, let me let me talk about yeah, my, you my perspective. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, host of the podcast, but um, <laughs> one of the hosts. You anyway. performed a coup d'état. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, I, I love I I love Sorkin. His dialogue is so just so rapid fire and so steeped in an idealism like he 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 he, uh he basically he he creates just poetry out of out of a a specific uh goal or a a specific uh story that he's trying to tell he doesn't necessarily tell stories as he basically tells his ideals or or the the um what's the word i'm looking for the subtext of what he's trying to put forth it's a very unique thing that i think really only he can really pull off yeah um and yeah, I and and I've seen like three seasons of West Wing. Um, and well, I mean, he stops. You he know. stops in season four, and yeah. that's not yeah. why I stopped. And watching he was him, so but, far into drugs at that point. Yeah, was, yeah. Like, you know, um, and and I I I like Studio sixty. I don't hold it to quite the high regard you guys do, um, but the newsroom was oh. solid for uh, about half its run. I think the first um, season was excellent, and then yeah. he lost interest. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so so he's he. I mean, and but the Social Network is probably one of my favorite movies, and Steve Jobs is definitely a contemporary to the Social Network, and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm super excited to own Steve Jobs so I can not not the person he's dead, but um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so I can do it. <laughs> Took a turn. Wow, morbid. Huh? <laughs> says, what other dead famous the, people do you own, Matt? <laughs> says the guest who asked if I was on the uh, sex offender registry. <laughs> I was just saying, if you were, it'd be an injustice, and I'd fight for you as a libertarian. <laughs> well, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, but anyway, I can't wait to own the movie so I can pair it up with with the Social Network. I actually meant to rewatch the Social Network um, previous to this, but I didn't get around to it. But uh, and Boyle, my God, I I love him as a director. He's incredible, and uh, like I said, Sunshine's one of my favorite movies. Um, and yeah, so so I was very excited to see them kind of you know team up for for such a I wouldn't say cornerstone movie, but a movie of its time. Uh, mm-hmm. that definitely, at least the goal of it was to, from my perspective, depict a depict not a person, but but just what that person represented to the culture. And uh, that the the movie we can get into our feelings on on the movie and everything. But um, yeah, let's just do broad strokes movie, and then we'll talk about the structure. So, Greg, what do you think of the movie overall? Yeah, totally. and I don't know if you, I hope you don't mind. I was just going to oh, mention yeah, like it's so funny to me, or it's so interesting to me. Like Fincher didn't end up doing it because he wanted ten million, you know, flat to direct it. That's right. Yeah. And then Jobs' actual widow, um, I didn't realize this till I read the article today that she lobbied against Christian Bale and Leonardo DiCaprio and said, "Please don't do it." Wow. Once she read the screenplay, and so then Aaron Sorkin. In the Sony hack, goes. I don't know who Mike Fass- Michael Fassbender is, and neither does the rest of the world. And it doesn't That's matter. Right. And you're like, 
And then, <laughs> then he watches Inglorious Bastards, the scene uh, in the bar. Yeah. And yeah. Then he writes like the biggest, gro- most groveling email <laughs> ever. And like, you know, I, they were able to really pull off something. They had great. I mean, the casting is always. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He oh, has yeah. to have his people. Uh-huh. You know, I kind of feel like. Yeah. You know, and he has to have people who you believe are believable that there's really intelligent. Uh-huh. But he he can make careers, it feels like. Um, yeah. And, oh yeah. You know, it's like Matt said, he takes his it's weird, he takes his ideals and puts them in a story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's always an ensemble. Yeah. You and know, it's... and like and then David Fincher didn't do it. And I feel like Fincher did social network, right? Yes. Directed, and it had a yeah. darker, seedier feel for Mark uh-huh. Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they didn't do that with Jobs because you saw all the awful, or all the, the like just the wacky or like he was a diamond in the rough, in the rough kind yeah, of yeah. But yet it's so much more positive and not dark and foreboding, mm-hmm. um, like the Social Network felt. Everything you yeah. know, just a dark feel. Like uh, when he did um, the girl who kicked the gr- uh, girl with the dragon girl tattoo, girl dragon tattoo yeah. had a dark feel. Yeah, and this had a, like even though he was not a great person and you had so many cringe <laughs> moments. Mm-hmm. about the bad side of Steve Jobs, you felt so, you know, it was more Sorkin feeling like it's a redemption story. Yeah, yeah. he had an arc. Definitely. Yeah, and then Danny Boyle, because if it had been the other way, I think it would have just been, oh, it was like the social network, but they put Steve Jobs in it. Yeah. Yeah, True. and there was a lot of it that kind of lend, lent itself to that, like the specifically the uh, the stuff between him and Waz, yeah. uh, played by Seth Rogen, which we can talk, I'll talk about that later. Um well, I can talk about it now. I felt like Waz was a little, he was a little too sycophantic. Um, it was, it was very much, it played very oafishly, and it, it kind of, it made the movie a, more about the, more about Steve Jobs' genius and those that surround the genius, and and it kind of painted a, not a dim picture of those supporting characters, but kind of a, like I said, a sycophantic picture of them. They were very eager to please and and all that, which I I loved the the through line of, of Wozniak in the movies. Like he just wants credit and he just wants to, it, and, it it, all, and not even credit, acknowledge, them. acknowledge them. they're yeah. here. Right. They yeah. exist. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost like it, it almost comes across as him, as him almost trying to ride coattails a little bit, but it's also like, he does want the, well, not really. It's more, he, he's, he's exposing the, not hubris, but the way that Steve jobs interacts with humans, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, his closest friend on the planet. Yeah. 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 Literally. His, like, you know, the Eduardo sovereign to his, uh, to his, uh, Zuckerberg. Right. Yeah. You're right. Cause I mean like jobs when he did Macintosh, like in real life, mm-hmm. he, like they give stock options and that's when you make all your money when it goes public. Yeah. He didn't give any to the Mac team. He just kept all the Jeez. options for himself. <laughs> and Wozniak, like didn't, made very little money because he was like oh they helped make the apple too mm-hmm. like yeah. he's the one like he feels terrible about being wealthy because he knew how much other people helped mm-hmm. jobs no 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 i play the orchestra <laughs> <laughs> right. oh that was such a great scene oh yeah it was Oof. um yeah and and uh, <laughs> uh by the way your guys' stock options for obsessive viewer are gonna come through eventually probably <laughs> matt's gonna keep them <laughs> but, for himself guaranteed <laughs> But but yeah and and uh, so yeah but tiny what you what was your kind of broad strokes uh, uh, on the movie my broad strokes are it was I, I thought it was great I really liked it a lot um, it was it's 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 pr- I'd be surprised if it's not on my top ten it's probably high on my top ten for nice. the year um, I liked it a lot but I feel like I feel like there was a style overload in the movie I don't know if that's the right way to put it but Aaron Sorkin just just cuts like a knife just just so stylistic you know exactly what you're getting you know exactly you know what sorkin is and then danny boyle also highly stylistic but like i said he makes a different movie every single time so you can't necessarily pinpoint it but 
just a highly stylistic director. And I don't necessarily know that their styles clashed. I don't know if I'd say they clashed, but they didn't. I don't think they meshed as well as they could. I think Fincher is a much better director for Sorkin or someone else. Just I, I don't know. I, Boyle is just so visual, and, and you can see how much he wanted to unleash unleash the his, his visual style on this movie. And I don't think it was quite there the way it has been in his other movies. And that's not a discredit to him. That's a credit to him, in my opinion, that he was able to keep that in check for this kind of movie. Um, so I just feel like there was a bit of a... It just didn't... Their styles didn't meld as well as it would with a different writer or a different director. I don't know. It's, it, it's, I'm not trying to discredit either of them or even discredit the movie. I think it was just... There was just so much that could have been there. You had to, like take chunks of the style away from each from each creative person respectively um I totally get that for yeah sure. like uh like a, just a sensory overload of right. incredible dialogue and yeah. then the visual aspects with, uh, are trying to yeah and with danny boyle he he's very like he's like you said tiny he's very stylistic and mm-hmm. he also does a very uh in a lot of his movies he does a lot of quick cuts and flashy yeah. cuts and everything like that and i kind of it almost felt like he was he felt a little bit uh not held back, but a, a, a mm-hmm. little bit, a little bit neutered in this movie, just just a tad. I mean, um, Danny Boyle loves to move his camera, and he likes yeah. to tell like two. He always tells like two or three different stories. He has, he has the you know the main the main story you're telling in the movie, but then like through in the background, he'll just show you these other visuals and just like tell a whole other story. And Sorkin is just such a static writer, mm-hmm. and I mean that in the way that you put up a camera and you let an actor <laughs> read these words, and you're just like. Why is he saying that? This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that in the most complimentary way, and that's just, I just see such a big clash there because because like I said, that's good. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah Boyle's totally. all about motion and and just blending things together, and Sorkin doesn't really have that style, and so I I saw some some hesitation I think between the both yeah, of them. But that's the best word to use to describe it. I think. Yeah, just Absolutely. you know hesitation or, or kind of yeah, pulling back. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's I, I think it's a credit to both of them as creatively because it's hard to it's hard to meld together, and they mm-hmm. they turned out a really good movie despite the yeah. those shortcomings. Um, I love the performances, just amazing performances, um, and just the way the the structure was so unique that I I really enjoyed it. I, I was super skeptical. I know Greg mentioned earlier that whole three <laughs> act thing, and it's just. It's in real time. It's, it's like 30 minutes before the major product launches of his yeah. life and everyone right. in his life comes back. And you don't yeah. actually see the product launches. They all yeah, know. So and that's funny. what he's famous for. It's his right. presentations and debuts. Yeah. It's so funny. But uh, <laughs> I thought it was so um, such a su- such an amazing feat to to pack so much development into what's essentially oh I don't know, basically 2 hours of real time. You develop a character in, in real real time in two hours. You have three scenes almost, and you develop a character in three. You develop all these characters in three scenes. That's I mean they're huge <laughs> scenes obviously, but it's just it was just such a huge feat to do something like that and do it so successfully. Um, that really impressed me. Um, yeah. I, you can never take that away from Sorkin. I kind of thought like, and how restricted are you when it's basically backstage of a playhouse? Right. Yeah. And, and he made him look and feel big and like these huge. Uh, oh yeah. And mm-hmm. it's if I mean the real auditorium was probably what I mean Matt you go to theater a lot so what is it that. <laughs> 
sorry. I'm totally kidding. No, but I mean, it's not, they're not huge. It's not a great uh, great space to film something. Right. And it felt so huge. And I do feel like it was – there were so many epic scenes. It was calm, It was almost overload. Like, mm-hmm. like it was like nine – Fudge, your favorite fudge Sunday in a yeah, row. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like just yeah. like, oh, I love it, but now I'm so tired. <laughs> you know, like, I, oh, I, oh, you got that sugar rush, but then you crash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't almost recover because it's just w- like ramming yeah. right into a next powerful monologue that's yeah. fantastic. So I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Nice, yeah. Matt. The three act structure was really great. It um, it, it felt like a stage play for sure, and it. it, it and that kind of harkens back to Sorkin's, you know, Sorkin started out, I believe. Playwright. Playwriting. A Few Good Men was Few, actually a play. Yeah, right. a stage play. I think. <laughs> I actually think there's a funny story on, on The Nerdist with, uh, I think, Clark Gregg. Uh, he was, I think he was like an understudy or something like that. And he was, like, he he wasn't prepared to be, like, he was he was on stage for a show and he wasn't prepared for it. And, like, he, I think he flubbed a, a bunch of songs. I don't know. You check out The Nerdist with, I think it was Clark Gregg. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yeah, and it's just that style really suits Sorkin so well because it's 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 two hours of dialogue, and and like you guys said, it's 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 before the product launches, and uh, and uh, and it's just him it's him being confronted with his life backstage, and it's it's almost like Shakespearean in the way it's formatted, or just that like it felt like a felt like a play, but um, yeah, and it was just it was it it suited it so well, and. I had heard that it's that it was basically like it was essentially three scenes um, from from the start, and that when I when I heard about that, I didn't have like any real reservations because I mean, it's it's Sorkin, man. <laughs> he can write dialogue like no one else. Yeah. And uh, what what really ca- caught my eye about this movie, and why I say it's a it's a very strong contemporary to um, to the Social Network. I'm probably gonna watch the Social Network after after we record this, but mm-hmm. um, the reason why the reason why is not only because it's about um, two tech geniuses who changed the world in modern day, modern days of in in our modern era, but it's also it's it's it showcases Sorkin's innate ability to capture genius, extract it, and tell a story about it, and and tell just tell the tell exactly what um what makes these characters tick in a way that's not about their character so much as their legacy. And it's, it's such a strong, strong portrayal, um, which is such a shame that it uh, performed so poorly at the box office. Yeah. It is well, a shame. I mean, it just got hammered by the Mac blogosphere and oh, yeah. when they, you know, with Ashton Kutcher doing, yeah. And, and he embodied, like he looked so much like him. It was freakish, especially right. at the later years. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron Sorkin, saying you know i don't really want someone we're not going to like really make them look like it right you know right. He, he was like we don't want this to be you know an autobi or you know what steve jobs was like we want it yeah. to be um a, a captivating incredible tale that's inspired by true events and mm-hmm. then adapted it and i think he's going to win best adapted teleplay because that that isaacson book to get that yeah out of a book that went from birth to death <laughs> wow and like and and really portrayed Jobs very well because mm-hmm. Sorkin I thought did a wonderful job of showing every negative quality he had, mm-hmm. but not in such an awful way that you hated him. True, you know, you almost gave him the benefit of a doubt as a genius. Right, it's oh, like yeah. he's so he's his mind is so occupied with with genius and eccentricity that he doesn't have time to be a normal social person. And we usually you would say 
I would feel like, who does he to think that? Right. Sorkin does it in a way you're like, I'll give him a free pass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I, when he says to his daughter, I'm going to put a thousand fo- songs in your, in your pocket. <laughs> right. And you're like, he's up there hashing out for the first time in his life, like with her. Yeah. And all I can think about is how ugly a Walkman is. <laughs> exactly. Or a Disman, you know. Yeah. But, but he just does that. And I, I was amazed. I, because, you know, I don't know how true some of the scenes were like that. Right. That final scene where they're yelling at, or having that staunch discussion before the iMac launch. Yeah. Right. Wow. Was that, I mean, that was, nothing happened and it was so dramatic. Your oh, yeah. It was so powerful. It was tense. Yeah. Oh, very um, tense. And that's one of the, the main through lines for the whole movie was it, it was about his, his relationship with Wozniak, with um, John Skelly and with his daughter. And it like that dichotomy between those uh, or that the juxtaposition of those three those three relationships throughout the entire movie and we we get we get snippets of them basically we get uh, uh time capsules of each where he's at in each in each era of for each launch it's it was such a great structure for the movie to to tell the story and and there's a great great line where um i think it's uh michael stolbarg's character who was fantastic in the movie also yeah um i think he says that or it might be kate winslet's character who says that steve is uh someone that he created and it's he's not like he's not steve jobs it's steve jobs the symbol is someone he created and i just hmm. i love that i love that line because that the the movie just kind of really tells the story of the of the symbol that he is mm-hmm. um and it's does it so damn well because <laughs> yeah like you know he's a guy that before Waz builds that in real life like he's not a real impressive guy no like he went to an ashram quit atari after uh, Wozniak hooked him up with a night job because he was on an all apple diet and no one could stand to work with him because he thought he wouldn't have to shower eating only apples. Yeah. <laughs> and like then he becomes wow. like a, a trainer, a sales trainer. They send him to Munich and he decides to just quit. And I'm going to go find, you know, he read that uh, autobiography of a yogi and decided to join an ashram in India. God. You I know, know, like, that. and like he's just a total failure. And then, you know, Waz is a, you know, pounding away on ham radios. Yeah. You know, a total <laughs> gamer hacker in the garage. And he says, you know, he has the vision, yeah. and Waz does. You know, it's just like that scene when they're in the orchestra pit. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, that was one of the most brilliant scenes in any oh, movie I've ever seen. That was beautiful, seen. right? Yeah, I, I really. I mean, Matt mentioned the dichotomy with these the, the three main characters that he interacts with. Um, I, I loved the parallels of those those relationships because you know it was it was so clear cut that the relationship he has with John Scully is obviously father son. Mm-hmm. The relationship he has with Wozniak is more brotherly. They're kind of competitive, and the one when he had has with his daughter is very very much about dealing with responsibility and, and and your legacy and stuff like that. And just just seeing those three relationships each have their own scene amongst the acts, the three acts was just a really impressive balancing feat. And just they didn't they didn't conflict with one another that much no and which, they, they which didn't dominated right, right. none like, of them dominated yeah you know and then like i loved uh the girl played uh kate winslet joanna mm-hmm. hoffman mm-hmm. joanna hoffman like you and then if jobs why or the lady he got pregnant and didn't uh-huh. want to claim the daughter right. if she wasn't so awful i thought if she wasn't <laughs> in that i would have probably felt very different about steve jobs mm-hmm. yeah but because she's so terrible i was like I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, we all make mistakes, and he just unfortunately he's got her for life. Yeah. You know. Uh, but then, like, you know, Kate Winslet made him like tolerable too, because she mm-hmm. could kind of point him. She was his off conscience. The rail. She was his conscience. Yeah. 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 I wondered if it was like a mother too. A little bit mother. Maybe, yeah. 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 Maternal. Yeah. She. Uh, I've her performance was 
good in the last act. I I felt like the it was kind of a strange the accent was strange because it was very subtle in the beginning, but then like once they hit that final that final thing where she gets more she like she has a big a big it's uh, like Sean monologue. Connery in the real like as he's gotten <laughs> older he's like full Scottish right yeah. and you know as James Bond you barely notice it right yeah so that I mean that was a minor a minor complaint I had about it but it was kind of it was kind of jarring but she was she was on point throughout she was especially great. that last did act. you think she looked older at the very beginning than at the end too. I think it's just the, the style, the style, yeah, I the think clothes. So. I just, that kind of put. I was like, she looks like. Eh, and I'm about at the end, and I'm, in the beginning. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he used uh, Danny Boyle used filters too. He's a big fan of filters, mm-hmm. um, so he probably there's probably some of it was lost in that too. So I, I love the soundtrack too. Oh, like it was always. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was orchestral. I mean, it yeah. was you know well, peaks and, and valleys and yeah, it was like it was a. Uh, it it was amazing because it felt like uh each 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 act of the movie had a different style to it. Like yeah. in mm-hmm. the first one there's a very understated, like kind of synth poppy kind of like like kind of like computing like like oh something's happening kind of music. And then the second act is definitely orchestral and very like big. And mm-hmm. then uh the third one is is a little bit more Subdu- I think that's tranquil. Thing. That's perfect. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's unsure of himself and not quite the the mm-hmm. myth yet in the first. Yeah. Second, he's way over the top. Yeah, he's very, you know, very defiant. And sure, right. yeah, and so yeah. it has to be big, huge, a lot of bass. Yeah, and then at the end, yeah. he's mellowed and the best of Steve Jobs, right. with more self confidence coming out. Yeah, right. I, I, and since you know so much about it, how the iMac was really successful, wasn't it? Oh, it's the best selling computer in history. Is it really? It I is. didn't know that. Yeah, it actually did. It sold a million units and it sold twenty thousand a month, which wow. he Jeez. thought was going to happen in eighty four right. when they launched the Mac. Right. It would have been cool, though, like Matt said, to actually <laughs> see. That Matt commercial, like, because you saw yeah. a clip, and if you've ever watched it, it's on YouTube, and it's one of the most oh, awesome product reveals ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, you don't, after, you don't want people to look at that and say, well, that doesn't look anything like Fastbender. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Right. But, uh, yeah. oh, that was transformative. The but, Super Bowl, are you, are you talking about the Super Bowl commercial the or the actual, the ad, the Super Bowl ad with, yeah. the, with the skinheads? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That, which is brilliant. That's amazing. That wasn't in the book, and that was one of the ones that was verified. Oh, oh really? It, they, and the heap, Scully was freaking out. Like, <laughs> he just hired Nazis. Oh my oh, god, that's you fantastic. Know. I mean, that's that's uh, obviously we had obsessive view. Don't condone skinheads or Nazism. No, but that's uh, that's hilarious that they included that in the movie. Yeah, and I was um, I was pleased that the movie was uh, was truly representative of Steve Jobs. I think you know Steve Jobs and Apple are just entwined beyond belief you can't you can't separate the two and so when i was thinking about the, this format you know he sorkin announced it was going to be three separate acts and all that stuff i was like that's weird let's we'll see what happens you know i was thinking well what, what are the what are the three product launches going to be and i was like well the iphone's got to be one and just thinking about all the big apple right. stuff but the iPod? seeing the movie yeah but like seeing the movie those launches probably were not as significant to Steve Jobs' life Mm-mm. as these three were, uh-uh. you know, I didn't know much about the Macintosh or the the Next Cube. I didn't know anything about that stuff. And me neither. Those launches really? were yeah. so were so much more personal to Steve Jobs, the man. You know, that other stuff is more about Apple and launching that product and just branding, which. Steve Jobs was obsessed with branding, brilliantly obsessed with branding. Right. But anyways, like you know, th- those launches were so. The launches in the film are so perfect for exploring the character and the real-life man of Steve Jobs than the big ones that we think of, like the iPod and the iPhone, iPhone and all that yeah. stuff. iTunes. iTunes, yeah. 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 All yeah. That the stuff. things that actually changed the world. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, right. 
Yeah, and I I agree wholeheartedly. It was it was amazing the yeah. way that they did that. What did you think about that ending part with the father? You know, where that was interesting. Yeah. What I liked, scene. I liked the whole kind of through line of 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 him him depict or him talking about his uh, his adoption as uh, as as him not having control. I thought that that was just a brilliant a brilliant way to to incorporate that aspect of his of his life into into this character study. Like what I what I love about Sorkin with with this and with the social network is that he's taken the biopic which is kind of, you know, not really a a great genre of movie and he what he does is he takes it and he creates a character study that isn't like uh like a Okay, beginning, beginning of life, end of life. It's a, it's a. This is a portrait of, like what you were saying, Greg, before we were recording. It's, a, it's a painting, not a picture. Yeah, and like that's um, why yeah. he got criticized so much because they're like, mm-hmm. well, that that scene with Wozniak and uh, before the IMAC launch, like, <laughs> no corporate, no board would ever let something like that happen. Yeah, like, right. that just isn't going to happen. They'd tackle him, pull right. a fire alarm. Like when you have a GQ reporter standing next to you and you're yelling, yeah. at Wozniak, that ain't going to happen. And you know, but that. That needed to be done because right. if you did a biopic, it'd be Lincoln, which is an okay movie but a great mm. performance. Yeah, yeah, you know, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. And, and instead, yeah. you feel like you really understand Jobs, mm. or oh, I yeah. felt I did. Right. Yeah. I don't want to harp too much on the whole three act thing because we mentioned it so much. Right. But um, I one sort of criticism I have is that you know the the three act thing, you know, very unique, isn't really done anymore pretty pretty incredible feat but i i felt like it was very limiting for the story um because so much happens from 1984 <laughs> to 1998 when the imac came out yeah Six, 98 98 it's you're spanning 14 years and there's all these characters involved there's a multinational company they had to between these acts they had to squeeze in all these uh, news stories and and all this, this this changing of the you know yeah yeah just all this qualifying all this qualifying dialogue and all this qualifying stuff it was it was just all it was fine but it was I, they felt like sloppy transitions to me and I wasn't really crazy about that um, I, I feel like I feel like you could have three major acts but have small ones in between them for transition purposes or. I don't know. I, I felt like it was just a little clunky in that respect. I, I would have preferred a more a more seamless transition between the acts and just more just give us more information about what happens in between these big time jumps. I thought it was just a little a little uninspired in that respect. It, it was it was kind of gimmicky. It's like we're going to have these three distinct acts and that's it. We can't verify. We can't we can't get away from that at all. It has to be about these three acts, and we'll just throw in these little scenes in between to to get us. To the next one, I I wasn't real crazy about that. Okay. Um, it, I, I think it was just a limiting format. You didn't ever see the wilderness years where he was unsure, right? <laughs> and every time he was already back, or you know, even though he wasn't like with next, but mm-hmm. it, you know, you never saw that there was ever a shred of self doubt ever. Yeah, and there there right. was always was. Right. You know, I mean, he, you know, he had to grovel to Gates to get the money to actually get the iMac built. You know, mm. and you don't see him having mm. to grovel. You only see the pillar. Would you guys have preferred a more traditional depiction of his life, or or, or are you fine with this being? I, I, I've said it before, but it being a being a depiction of his legacy rather than his than his actual life. Uh, would you guys have preferred that? Because I mean, we've we've we all really enjoyed the movie, obviously. Yeah. But, 
would you have enjoyed it more if it was more of a straightforward, like, this is Steve Jobs the man rather than Steve Jobs the legacy? I think it would have been, I think it could have been a better movie, honestly, if it was more like The Aviator. Okay. Where we had a more straightforward, take your time, mm-hmm. explore every facet over these years. Honestly, I think, I think it could have been a better movie, to be honest, but I'm not trying to take anything away from what this was. I think I think they could have used that three-act format on a different story and mm-hmm. just hit something out of the park and like been like a game-changer kind of movie. I don't think this was quite a game-changer. Mm-hmm. I think I think... I think the story was not as perfect for the format. I'll put it that way. But again, I'm not trying to like be overly critical. Right. So, what do you think? Me? Uh, you know, I I think I would. I, I I agree with Tiny. Um, yeah. I think as it stands now, I I really really liked the movie, but it's not the Social Network. I I, yeah. I enjoyed the Social Network a lot more because I felt like. The Social Network as as a story of a, of a character study and a and a story about even even on a more uh, broader level of of technology's hold on us as as humans basically, um, it it was a more accessible story than than Steve Jobs was. Steve Jobs was more about the character and a more more about the legacy than than Social Network was, and there wasn't quite a uh, wasn't wasn't quite a narrative through line in as in terms of. Uh, self-reflection about society as a whole really for me in Steve Jobs. So that they kind of lost a little bit there. And uh we already talked about how Danny Boyle was a little was a little pigeonholed a little bit, but mm-hmm. I do think that he did have some nice flourishes there. And I do I kind of disagree with you Tony about the uh transitions. I thought they handled the transitions well. There was uh, I I really liked the visual flair that Boyle brought to the the scenes of between 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 acts where we basically get just a really uh, streamlined um, uh, 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 montage of, of news pieces and stuff like that, and there's there's some nice like little flourishes here and there in that regard. I didn't that didn't bother me at all. But um, but to each their own. Yeah, I I think it probably would have worked better. It, it would have been more accessible as a as a more traditional mm-hmm. biopic than than uh, what it was there. But I. Don't fault the movie at all for what it did because I feel like it uh, definitely knocked, de- definitely did a great job of doing what Sorkin intended to do. Um, right. Yeah. Greg, what did you think of that? That's exactly like the context around it. And like, th- when he did his first, uh, at first junket on it, it was like, mm-hmm. I'm really hesitant because it's like I'm writing about the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I almost wonder if he was, he feared tackling the biopic because it's like writing about Christ. <laughs> and, and no, and everybody's interpretations, and hey, you should include this, and hey, you didn't talk, you know. Right. Instead, it was I'm going to avoid that. <clears throat> I'm going to give a a very liberal uh, interpretation or a, ver- a very enhanced view of Steve Jobs <laughs> that is not that is fictional. Right. And that way, I don't have to do what Spielberg did with Lincoln and have a Daniel Day Lewis who can pull off the act of all acts right. yeah. and be Lincoln. And I mean that was never it could I guess you could have done that, but oh man, pulling off Steve Jobs and it's just so hard. And, and like yeah. you know Lincoln, no one knew him. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the the Beatles were like the baby boomer, like the Beatles, they knew him, but we never saw him live. Yeah. So we would go and we could watch an interpretation and be like, right. oh, this is great. Yeah. But with Jobs, it's he's so recent and yeah. he's mm-hmm. such a you know in our mind of all all the lines and think you know think different. And yeah. and then the only criticism, and it wouldn't be a criticism. I'm just shocked, though, since he did go that route, he could have picked diff- things that 
actually did happen because he had incredible inflection moments in his life, like the the scene at the end where he Jeff he tells Jeff Scully he's met his father too, his mm-hmm. biological father. Mm-hmm. Not true. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's not a real story. Um, the uh, job or uh, Wozniak ever. You know, and he's come out and kind of said, "No, I never asked for credit. I, that's yeah. not me. I just want to be left alone and do good work, <laughs> right?" And then Andy Hertzfeld, that guy is such a bit part, like really? the, on the first Mac team, and then he's never around ever again. Oh, okay, mm. you know, so like the, using that—that that was the one character I didn't I think added anything except for that first Russian roulette scene, yeah, um, which was, was more like his management style, right. to get great results. That was great. He was the he was the deliverer of one of. Probably my favorite line of the entire movie. Uh, just quippy back and forth Sorkin esque dialogue where uh, <laughs> they have they have a, they have a limited amount of time before in there they need to get something running and Steve says something something to the, something to the effect of uh, we have we have so and so time the universe was created in a third of that and then Andy uh, is it Hertzfeld mm-hmm. uh, he's just like well someday you'll have to tell me how you did it yeah. that, that, was, that, so that was wonderful that yeah. such a brilliant line <laughs> and like that so like he line. did stand up to him but he was never in it like he once you were went against him, you were gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no. Oh well, yeah. I'll just stumble in before a major product launch, and yeah. you know, I have a blog. You know, right. <laughs> you know, Andy Hertzfield's that guy. You're like, why does Steve Jobs keep a podcaster around? <laughs> yeah, and I don't want people to think I'm being too critical of it because again, I thought it was amazing, mm-hmm. and they they accomplished so much with that format. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not being too critical of it. I just think the story would have been served. It, we would have gotten uh, such a, I think we would have gotten something a little more in depth with a different format, and it's, yeah. it was just a very limiting format. And sure. those flaws jumped out to me. The, the things we missed jumped out to me, but still loved it. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to say it sucked or anything. No, in, I appreciate the boldness of it. Right, and and great to your point about uh, the format and how <laughs> and how Sorkin may have just been a little bit nervous to to actually do a, a traditional. Uh, you know, beginning in life, end yeah. of life narrative and everything. I kind of wonder if that's the same thing that led to the social network because he was, a, he's, uh, I believe he's a pretty much a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Neophyte? Uh, technophobe? Oh, yeah. Te- uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like he's, they, he's, they call him Luddites. That Luddites, Luddites. That's yeah. what I, what did oh, I say? Okay. A neophyte? Like neophyte. a newbie? Oh, yeah. No, he's a, okay. uh, whatever you just said. A Luddite. Uh, Luddite. Luddite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. They're he, like Amish, but think churning butter's the devil. Yeah, that's too much of an improvement. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that the way that he tackled the social network was a result of him not being a tech savvy person. Yeah, and well, I mean, he didn't I know who like... Michael Fassbender is, and that's the industry <laughs> he works. I mean, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like that kind. Of, I feel like is he just like locks himself in hotel rooms and yeah. writes these. He just speaks into the mirror, mm. like, <laughs> and, and then saves him for his next movie. Well, do you want to talk about the performances a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're running a little long on time. Yeah, um, I don't know how much, I'm going to have to cut a, everything that Greg said, but um. <laughs> <laughs> this is an excellent podcast, and Matt is a great replacement host for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so performances. I, like I, I already touched on uh, Kate Winslet. That's a horrible turn of phrase there. Um, <laughs> she's, of, she's of age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think of the performances overall? How did you feel about Fastbender? Great. Oh, I thought I thought he was fantastic for a guy that looks nothing like him, right? And for a guy that um, 
I don't know that he had his. He definitely didn't have his mannerisms in one or in the first or second act. Mm-hmm. At the third act, he resembled resembled him closely, and it's amazing the job he was able to do. I read when him and uh, he and uh, Jeff Daniels were practicing their lines. They just they had them down uh, beforehand because they both said, "If we don't absolutely have these mastered, we're going to be doing fifty takes." Yeah, and then they were able to do so many different takes of you know with Sorkin, it's almost like poetry. Or like yeah. uh, like a music, I guess it's almost a musical. It's to symfo- an extent. symphonic. Yeah, yeah. It, there's definitely a pace to it, and these crescendos, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it shocks you out of nowhere, like almost right. out of a lull. And uh, they worked so hard beforehand on their pacing, on when to. Um, yes. And, and I just, I mean, I thought Jeff Daniels for John Scully, who very few people in America know, mm-hmm. he will be a that will be a role. I think he'll be nominated for. I hope so. And people will now know that name. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the guy that Jeff Daniels played in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Michael Fassbender nailed Steve Jobs without being Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like, right. you got the essence of Steve Jobs, but he didn't have to be Daniel, like Lincoln. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be embody him, but you know Steve Jobs now because of the way yeah. he played him. Yeah. He didn't have to go method or anything. Yeah. But, at all. Yeah. And, like, they wouldn't even let him, like, do the more physical that he wanted to do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I loved I loved Michael Fassbender's performance because um, I I just love the casting more than anything because mm-hmm. Steve Jobs obviously just incompre- incomprehensibly intelligent and and so many people call him a genius because he is he was um, and so you needed an, a highly intelligent diverse actor to play him and Michael Fassbender is a really smart guy. I think he speaks like four languages. Um, he was raised in a couple different countries. He's just a really diverse guy who can just do so many different things that I, I, I think he probably loved to dive into that character and, and give put his own experience into that character. And I could just, that just poured off the screen in every scene he was in. Um, he was very capable of handling Sorkin's dialogue um and i uh greg mentioned the um the pacing and the the um the back and forth between him and uh jeff daniels um that that's something that sorkin sorkin dialogue is very hard to do the back and forth because if you watch some of his tv shows or some of his movies there are actors who can't handle his dialogue and they're they, never in his remit or like his right. next project. Yeah, he reuses a lot of people. He does. Yeah. There, because his when you see some of these actors trying to do a back and forth, or if there's three or four actors trying to do a whole dialogue scene, sometimes you'll get these actors basically just waiting for their turn. They're just waiting, waiting, and then oh, this happens, this happens, and they put their they put their dialogue in, and it's it's sort of clunky, and it's not it, it lacks it lacks the back and forth that really quality actors can achieve with Sorkin dialogue. And I, I thought it was on the best display, like Greg said, when it was between Jeff Daniels and Michael Fassbender. I, I love those. Those were – their three scenes throughout the three <laughs> throughout the three acts were the crescendos for the most part. Oh, and they were um, so – like it was almost though like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be able to enjoy it, and I can't because I know another one's coming right at me. Right. right. You know? And I want to give a lot of credit to Seth Rogen too for – um, I think his his character goes through a really the, the changes he goes through in the three scenes that he has are really impressive. Um, uh, Matt said he was he's kind of oafish 
in yeah, the first couple ones, just kind of there and very hesitant and like a like a spooked squirrel in a corner. Right. And then by the end, he just comes out and he's just like, "F you, Steve Jobs!" Yeah. Just like he, the, his growth is just really impressive over the three scenes he has. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really respected that. I think he was great. Uh, loved Kate Winslet too. I think she's she was Oscar worthy in this. Yeah, yeah I I, don't, I think you'd be hard pre- uh I don't, I I can't imagine. Fassbender winning it, yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I mean, who knows? We don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, it would be hard since he didn't. Do, I feel like when Daniel Day Lewis did do Lincoln, like that set the no biopic will ever. Yeah, were you as good as right, Daniel Day Lewis? Right. You lost. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. right. Uh, and I, I don't know. I know that sounds probably crazy, but like he made like Jamie, oh, Jamie Fox look like crap. Yeah, and Ray, you know, it set the bar so high. And I thought Jamie Fox was incredible. Right. And you know, I I do think though he deserves to be I, runner uh, runner up. I would vote for him, but that's just me personally because I'm yeah. a fanboy. But um, Jeff Daniels showed an amazing ability to me. Yeah. To be so. Um, to be cast in a character that handles Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. yeah, wow! You can't, and for a guy that's not a movie star, like a real powerful, like yeah. in foreboding presence or like imposing presence, he just like was almost like a natural volleyer. Yeah, yeah. Like he just he accepted everything and then was smart enough to kind of toss it back. Yeah. He's gone through the school of Sorkin, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's kind of graduated from that, and he's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of. What was the role that he had recently? It was a dramatic role in a movie that uh, I think it was in a movie. The Martian. The Martian. Yeah. The president. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the president of NASA or whatever. The head of NASA. Or yeah, yeah. He, yeah head of NASA. Yeah. Um, he and like he's gotten a lot of flack when he does these roles that he's like he's oh he's just basically Will McAvoy, um, mm. in in his roles and I, there was a little bit of that in this in this in this role I think and I think that's mostly just the dialogue mm-hmm. and and the pacing of the dialogue and everything, but and for that I, I would say that I I wouldn't really give it as much not as much credit as you guys are giving it but i i wouldn't think it's uh uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't if it gets snubbed um mm. yeah i i don't know that anyone's yeah. gonna actually win except for adaptation of a teleplay or like, yeah or a screenplay adapted screenplay. Yeah. Yeah, adapted, adapted screenplay but like outside of that i think it'll be like they were number two in everything yeah. yeah do you guys think that this would have any chances of actually having and this can be our wrap-up of the review and everything mm-hmm. uh by the way greg do you have a potpourri to bring up <laughs> something that you've watched lately that you wanted to talk about for our potpourri section, or something you're looking forward yeah. to that's coming up. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. I okay, do. good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, good. Uh, for, totally forgot to mention. We talked for like one night and an hour. hour. It's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked is releasing it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wow. Um, Sorry, so buddy. anyway, to wrap up, uh, what do you guys think the Oscar chances are in terms of actually getting any kind of recognition? Because like I said, this was a painfully unperforming movie. Like it, it got just kind of you know, it. It was not a good. It was not a hit, right. um, and I, I feel like they'll probably. I assume that the if they if they want to get Oscar recognition, they'll probably do like a, a bit of an Oscar push at the end of the year, maybe uh, re-release it or something. I I don't know how it works, but um, as it stands now, I w- I wouldn't be surprised if it gets completely snubbed because it because it, it was so, um, it wasn't seen really. And and that's a shame because it's fifteen it, million yeah. so far in actual sales. Probably wow. something. And thirty million dollar budget. It's despicable. It's it's insane. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think it's gonna get snubbed for the most part. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if it gets a complete snub and gets nothing. I don't think I mean, there's 10, 10 nominees for Best Picture now. I don't know. Right. Even with that, if it has a shot. We'll see what comes out in the next couple of months. But uh um 
I think it really has a shot for adapted screenplay. I think so um, too. People like if Sorkin. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the it's just so um, like different. Like you, you know. Yeah. You read that yeah. book and you say, "How the hell did he get that out of here?" Right. right. You know. And then he didn't even put in some of the things the book. He just made stuff yeah. up. It's <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> uh, the Oscars love Kate Winslet. Yeah, yeah, that's I think, true. I think she'll get. She's probably got a good chance of getting a nomination. And she would be the one I would say the like. Not she gave an incredible performance, but I you know I don't think she did so well. I thought I thought Fassbender did the best. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought um, Jeff uh, Daniels did second best, and then I would. Oh man, I don't know. I really thought his daughter was fantastic at capturing yeah, like being quirky. Awesome. Yeah, and then adding a lot for a childish like a child role. Mm-hmm. I love the, the the way that it showed how brilliant she was. <laughs> right, um, and he didn't love her until she got him. Yeah, right. with that scene yeah. with the oh, yeah. you know the Microsoft or Mac Paint. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we can transition to Potpourri here in a second, but just a wrap up thing. Two questions. One, well, not really two questions. We've talked at nauseum about it. It's just your where you'd rank it in your movies this year, what rating you would give, and all that. And two. What what uh, cultural icon would you want Sorkin to social network and Steve Jobs next? So Ooh, ranking, rating, wow. ranking and rating, or ranking or rating, and which 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 one next? For me, the first um, of rank, uh, it's my favorite movie of the year. I haven't seen a lot of movies this year, but I am such a fanboy, I can't look past it. Sure. Yeah. The one thing I will add, though, is I don't think I'm. I'd be stunned if it won. Best picture, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't even nominated Argo, even though I oh, loved yeah. Argo. Yeah. I loved it and it was wonderful. And Ben Affleck, who's not good, did great. <laughs> you know? um, but like that, that would be the only scenario I see it. Yeah. Whereas if he's it's such out of left field and mm-hmm. like what? Yeah, you know, uh, where Social Network had the momentum. Yeah. for being interesting. Yeah. And for me, though, there'd be two. And sorry, the first one he and he. Politics to me is definitely his genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see him do JFK. Mm. Oh, interesting! Some type of JFK, uh, and just not like all the life story, just the lead up to the election, because it was such wow. a transformative figure in, um, mm. um, you know, really in America. Yeah, and people like had hope. Um, and that but, election itself was also oh Nixon. I mean, if twenty thousand people vote differently, Richard Nixon wins that election. Yeah. Um, but. And then in, uh, in a, after that, it'd be Winston Churchill in a World War II type uh, nice. thing. And go, you know, give, delivering just powerful speeches against Hitler. <laughs> He'd nail that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Wow. He would, tell, are... he would, he would tell Hitler that, uh, that, he, that something about his ping pong. <laughs> Jet room. fuel doesn't <laughs> melt steel beams, Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> we will not go quietly into the night. Um, I was going to go that he was going to get the. Uh, when he's done with Nazi Germ- Germany, he's going to turn. Uh, Hitler's bunker into his personal ping pong room. Yeah. Oh, that would be epic! <laughs> and not for nothing. Right. <laughs> I would say um, it's it's in my top five. Nice. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where, and I haven't. There's a, quite a few movies I haven't seen this year either that might be in my top ten. Um, uh, so somewhere in my top five, maybe fourth or fifth. We'll see. Um, it's going to make my top ten though. Um, I would like to see him do a political figure as well. I think that's a great idea because he. I think the West Wing is still his best work altogether. Um, I'd love to see that, but I think it'd be kind of fun. He's done two techie kind of guys with Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, but I think it'd be cool to see him make an Elon Musk movie. Oh, man. That'd be fun. Maybe something about (laughs) SpaceX. 
if like I don't, SpaceX is too wow. young, but like in twenty years, if SpaceX turns out to be like the new NASA, yeah, it'd be cool to see if if Sorkin can do that because people don't appreciate <laughs> Musk yet. Yeah, yeah, it is. He is so much more power. He was going. He's going to end up like in a total. It'll make Steve Jobs look like he was a bit player in the contributions to the future. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, this guy put music in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> this guy turned solar energy into something we all have in his free. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moon's not cool. You know what's cool? Mars. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I can hurt. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then he's just speaking Latin to an empty colony on Mars. Like, <laughs> and on the first March, uh, Martian Catholic Church. Oh, man. Oh, man. oh wow. Uh, yeah. Smoking a cigarette in space with no oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, for me, I would rate it probably 7.5, 8.0. Um, that might be a little harsh, but... Um, can't really tell why I would rate it that. Eh, probably 8.5, actually. You're totally um, a guy, though, that immediately gives Sorkin a, pl- a minus one. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I could count how many times Matt's made fun of me for being a Sorkin <laughs> fanboy. Well, <laughs> all I have to say is the last season of The Newsroom and all of Studio 60, I really was not a fan of Studio 60 that much. Pat Robertson um, predicting the weather from Scripture. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. That's great. Sure, yeah, I guess. Um, oh, my God. But. You people. Anyway, <laughs> uh, as for his next one, when I pitched that into this podcast, I did not have a have a uh, answer. I love <laughs> the Elon Musk, Musk one. That would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe something with, uh, um, I don't know if it's really that big of a figure. Well, I guess so. Um, uh, what's his name? Bezio? Uh, oh, Jeff Amazon? Bezos? Yeah. yeah, he's not very idealistic, though. He Everybody yeah. kind of hates him. He just gives enough to charity, they leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. um, or maybe... Him. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was, I was going to say, or maybe uh, maybe tackle the Netflix Netflix taking down uh. Blockbuster and Ooh. changing the way we watch, we consume that media. That Reed Hastings, that would be... Yeah, and Reed Hastings, there you go. You know yeah. who actually... Do you guys know the founder of uh, Uber, Travis Kalanick? No. Not really. So, like, his entire thing for Uber <laughs> is... Kalani, he sounds like a pain in the ass. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's oh so God. funny because everyone hates him. <laughs> really? Yeah. He is like the ultimate devil in Silicon Valley because they don't give any money oh, wow. to charity. He goes in, bullies around governments. This is what you're doing. I don't give a damn about your laws. Damn. Like he is a huge Ayn Rand fan. Mm. Um, and he, like the Fountainhead's his favorite book. And like. He could do an Ayn Rand adaptation. Sorkin could, yeah. like delivering a, a you know, like the, uh, the Fountainhead has a seventy-two page speech by Howard Rourke. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like th- that isn't done in books anymore. Right. And like Sorkin is capable of doing that, but it has to be idealistic. And I, I do hate that I, my references were political because he could totally do some type of advocate, like a Gandhi or a Mother Teresa, yeah. mm-hmm. or there's like a, or even he does attorney cases. Oh, like, yeah. That's just True. a natural fit because mm. you closing statement, hammer away. <laughs> you know, you can't handle the truth. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. And now we're going to go ahead and transition over to Potpourri. Very smooth transition. I don't, we, I don't know how it's smooth. Did. Yeah. Better than the Jobs movie. Keystone light smooth. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they don't sponsor us, Tony. They don't give us any money, so don't give them a shout out. They sponsor me. Um, yeah. Too hard Ooh. to go. What is this beer? <laughs> What's this beer you brought, Greg? Oh, uh, Bell's Too Hard a Dale. There you go. So give us money. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, first-time listeners will know, long-time listeners will know, and first-time listeners will find out 
Uh, this section of the podcast is called Potpourri. It's anything you want, as long as it smells good. Anything that you're that we've watched, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or uh, or looking forward to, or anything like that. Uh, that phrase was actually coined by our uh, co-host, who's on sabbatical, who we always talk about every episode. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Mike, who's he's getting his master's degree in. Um, I don't know if he wants me to publicize this, but I think he said next summer is going to be his return. He's nice. shooting for. So. We'll force him yeah. to come back. Oh, we will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a couple, but um, yeah, why don't you why don't you start tiny and then I'll go and then we'll, we'll shoot over to Greg. Okay. Um, I wanted, I've been bringing up through over the past several months, if not almost a year, um, my experience with living with another TV watcher, <laughs> um, my girlfriend, Paige. Um, she has different tastes than I do. And so she's a big fan of the show Nashville. Uh, she loves network TV. I, I don't get it. Um, and so <laughs> she loves the show Nashville. And like I finally sat down and watched an episode with her. And it's not that great. It's very, it's very network TV. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's what I expected. It's 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 a um, it's a soap opera with a bigger budget, really. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's oh she's pregnant or oh my gosh he has a <laughs> drinking problem. It's all that stuff. But where I, where I will give that show a lot of credit is that they are dedicated to to basically making their own music, their own country music oh. on that show. And you know, you can say what you will about country music. I know it's very poppy now, and it's not a lot of it's not that great. Um, I like it. I can't qualify why I like it, but um, <laughs> it's the the show makes some very they they're dedicated to having their musicians on the show perform some quality written music that's actually there's heart in it and it actually feels like you have a musician who's going through something and is actually expressing their emotions and expressing their thoughts through song it's like it's really i was actually very impressed by it it's it's something i was not expecting um it it does not really uh complement the quality of the show (laughs) um the acting's fine. I love Connie Britton. She's she's always really great, mm-hmm. and uh, Hayden Panettiere is, I think, a pretty decent actress. And there's all that, but it's just, it's just the writing. It's just you know, it's like I said, it's just soap opery with a bigger bigger budget. Um, but I was I was genuinely surprised at how how quality the music is, and how they're actually dedicated to putting out quality country music. And uh, I, I was surprised by it. It kind of reminded me of um, the movie Country Strong. Which I didn't think it was going to be any good, but oh. they made some great music for that movie, <laughs> and that the Country Strong is a far better movie than Nashville is a show. Um, <laughs> but I, I was just surprised by it, and I give them a lot of credit for it. I, I I don't necessarily want to become a fan of the show and start watching it, but <laughs> if it's on, I don't mind it so much because there's going to be at least a decent a decent song that I don't hate in it. <laughs> um, nice. So that's just you know another entry in my experience of living with a. <laughs> another another tv fan so um it's been it's been interesting nice that's you know that's a show that i've never had any interest in and probably will never have any interest in yep can't blame you but i did hear connie Britton on nerdist talk about it and she's such a charming person she's awesome it's it's amazing and hanny uh, (laughs) hayden penetier is uh amazing too um yeah yeah. how so specifically uh she was the one of the most redeeming quality, redeeming aspects of Scream Four, actually. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, she was fantastic in that movie. Um, yeah. So, so I'll go. Do, do you have any more? Or? That's it. Really? Okay. I'll go ahead and say a couple things. Um, if that's fine by you, Greg. Oh no, I'm just listening because you guys are my go-to. So I want to hear what you say. <laughs> nice. I don't want to sound dumb, so I want to, you know, nice. I want to contribute, Matt. Okay, right on. So, um, okay, so so I have two things. One will be very brief. It's uh, it's a little indie movie that's on Netflix now. It's it's net on Netflix currently. Um, it's called Unexpected. It stars Kobe Smulders uh, and Anders Holm. Holm. Uh, Kobe Smulders. Actually, I uh, this was a movie that I missed out on seeing in July during Indie Film Fest, which I talked about in in an early episode. If if you want, I I referenced the episode in our the, our first Heartland Film Festival episode. But anyway, in Indie Film Fest, it, it was at Indie Film Fest. I didn't get a chance to see it. I was very interested in it, but I didn't get around to it. But uh, the movie is about Kobe Smulders plays a, a, a high school teacher at an inner city high school. Uh, who finds out she's pregnant, and then she forms a bond with a with a young girl who is herself pregnant, and the whole movie's wrapped around this. The is framed by uh, this is the this is the spring of the girl's senior year, and the school is about to close. So, uh, Kobe Smulders is about to be out of a job. It's a it's a very indie indie esque drama. It's uh it's it's you know it's well acted. Kobe Smulders is is fantastic. She can hold down a role. Um, or hold down the lead role and everything. I did. I felt like uh, Anders Holm from uh, I think I think Workaholics or maybe not Workaholics. Yeah, I think it's Workaholics, and also the Mindy Project briefly. Um, he they kind of go a little bit overboard with making him be like the most caring husband in the on the planet. Oh. Uh, maybe that might be a little bit too hyperbole, but um, there there are a lot of like like he goes above and beyond. Um, there is some conflict between them, but it's also it's it's a little disjointed from that. But I, overall, it's it's a pretty enjoyable movie. It's it's a charming movie. It's got it's got it's uh, definitely an indie uh, an independent aesthetic to it, and um, at least to some I I wouldn't say really that interesting in places, but it it tells a tells a fun it tells an interesting story. I'll say that. What's it called again? Uh, Unexpected. Unexpected. Yeah. Uh, currently streaming on Netflix. Nice. And uh, the second thing I want to bring up, and this is a little bit more detailed, and it kind of comes with a, a caveat slash a rant. Um, uh, I watched the first season of Rick and Morty. Are either of you guys familiar with the show? No. No. Okay. It's a, it's a I believe, Adult, adult Swim uh, cartoon. It's uh, it's fen- it's phenomenal. It's, it's absolutely astounding. It's basically uh, the elevator pitch of it would be, what if uh <laughs> what if doc brown and and marty from from uh uh um uh, back from future. back to the future well, i don't know why i blanked on that <laughs> uh from back to the future were uh grandfather and grandson and and what if doc was completely insane and uh and marty was completely like dumb um <laughs> And uh, okay. and and Morty or, or or Rick is Rick is the is the scientist. He's he's completely just a whack job, crazy, uh, <laughs> drunk and abusive and everything. And then and then Morty's just kind of a kind of kind of an oafish. Forrest like, Gump. He's kind of like a Wozniak of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but it, and they go on such amazing adventures. It's it's animated. They do a lot of like high concept episodes. Like they have uh, kind of a hybrid of. I think they had it was a hybrid of inception and like fantastic voyage um and it was it was phenomenal it was and there's some really interesting 
avenues that it goes down to. There's one episode in particular. It's I can't remember what exactly it's called, but uh, I think it's a um, not Rick, not Rixie not Rixie business, but um, the, the the penultimate episode of the first season. I think um, the whole episode is is about Rick is taken to an alternate universe uh, that's governed by Rick's like like uh-huh. alternate versions of himself. And uh, he's on trial for the murder of of different Ricks in that universe and everything. And so they escape, and then the entire the the arc of the entire episode is about Rick's relationship with Morty and like their roles throughout the universes. And it's it's a really it's a surprisingly emotionally poignant story, um, and and really just amazing. It's it's really fantastic. Um, so that's Rick and Morty. It's currently the first season is on Hulu and they've aired the second season, I think. And, and it's Adult Swim? Adult Swim, I believe. Oh. Yeah, Adult Swim. And, uh, you can watch, you can watch season two on Adult Swim, but it's not on like Hulu or anything yet. But, um, definitely highly, highly, uh, highly recommend it. And that kind of leads into a little bit of a tangent rant thing. And then I promise we'll get to you, Craig. But, uh, Dan Harmon, I, uh, I didn't. I didn't mention this in the in the review of Rick and Morty, but it is co co created and co produced and everything by Dan Harmon, who oh, okay. of Community fame. And longtime listeners will know that I reviewed uh, Harmon Town, the documentary about Dan Harmon, uh, probably a few months ago on the podcast. It's one of the one of the episodes. Check it out. It's I don't know the episode number offhand, but it is in the title. It says Harmon Town. But uh, like that that documentary just really didn't sit well with me because it's. It depicted Dan Harmon as the crazy, drunk, abusive personality that he is, megalomaniac, uh, just hubris, not even hubris driven, just, just like, uh, it depicted his just abusive behavior as if he was a tortured genius and a lot of people made excuses for him and stuff like that. And that, that just didn't sit well with me. Like the guy Mm -hmm. is, the guy is unequivocally brilliant for creating community and creating now Rick and Morty. And like, he's, he's got an amazing sense of amazing talent for writing, but he is just a freaking disaster. And he's like, I would go so far as to say he's just an awful person. (laughs) Um, and this is, this is why really that I, that I, had this thought that on October 20th on the Twitters, um, granted, and, and this is, this is a little bit more personal than, than we like to get here, but he is actually currently going through a divorce. Um, mm. but the dude totally took it out <laughs> on Twitter with a, a string, a rant of about, I got screenshots of about 30 tweets in which about eight of them are just as like the jumping off point is that he tweeted something. I don't remember what it was, but he had, he tweeted something. And then I think a a fan had tweeted at him and said something to the effect of that's a dumb idea or or, that's not funny or something like that. And Dan Harmon just unloaded like a string of tweets at him, just eviscerating him. Like, and these are all, I'm going to go ahead and read them. They're all, these are all direct quotes. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and I quote, so I've grown a lot from therapy, but this person has caught me during a craving to inflict genuine pain. 
This is a person so limited that they think that any attention, even negative, is somehow better than nothing. The only reason I can't literally bet my life on this person's inferiority is because no uh, no house would cover it. This person will never do anything that will make anyone happy. God. This person is stealing time from us and from God. It's not unreasonable to speculate that me tweeting about this person is the peak of their life, and I'm garbage. <laughs> Jeez. The only reason this person's mother isn't existentially ashamed of herself is because she's at least half as stupid. <laughs> this person is an agent of decay. I'm not being hyperbolic. I don't have to be. This is a genuinely bad person. This is a person so f- Hold on, my appetizer is here. One second. <laughs> Jeez. And then it's just it's and it's just it just goes on. There's even more tweets. Oh my god! And uh, he goes through a spell where he he's like, "Where's that?" Uh, he says, "Where's the other guy? Where's the unremarkable shit face I cared about before my bread came?" His blocking will be legendary. And then like from there, it's he has several tweets where he's finding him, and then he's and then he goes back into it saying, "Oh, here he is, bird person." I, uh, he can't. Which bird person is a reference to the reference to Rick and Morty? So he's a fan of the show. Wow. Uh, quote. Ah, here he is, bird person. He can't pick a name until someone writes free TV for him, but he's got wisdom. Uh, what was the goal here? To provoke shame? To censor? Uh, to chasten, uh, chasten? To mitigate? Is that fun? Is, is that fun? Okay, my turn. Fun time. And then more tweets. You are a worthless but necessary byproduct of an evolutionary strategy summarizable as no wrong answers. You embody human failure. Way too much societal energy is focused on compensating for the phenomenon you uh, represent. A silent but effective minority of of your species has spent a lifetime tolerating your section of its bell curve. Uh, Jesus. I don't know. Oh, my God. There's so many more tweets. Uh, I don't know your name and never will, which is why you feel entitled to heckle, judge, criticize, etc. But you have no idea what I could do to you the day I took 40 seconds to create one anonymous account. I have spent my life online under my birth name, accountable in service of approval. You have done nothing and you have done nothing. You have done it for nothing. Uh, you've done it invisibly in spite of your every effort. You are, you have, you are my permission to hate. You're, you're the 85%. You're gravel. Your pistons are generic fears. I reject this unspoken but transparent request to live in your fake sad world. I will fuck your bland face with joy. And there's so that uh, 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 I only have a few more. I promise. <laughs> I won't see your responses and will forget you. You'll merge with the plaster and will never have will never have been born. But the saddest, craziest thing is you spent your existence lying and asking others to lie. Good luck topping today, fuck nut. Uh, good luck approaching base level effectiveness now. And now that you've burned my attention. All of this is what I genuinely feel about folks like you, but withhold because I'm f***ing polite. Harmon Block 2015, in which for about probably 16 hours after that, he just, every, any, any response to him or any, uh, any slightly negative tweet at him got immediately blocked and, and celebrated on his Twitter feed. He's, uh, it's... Yeah, that's that's Dan Harmon though. Um Wow, the guy's unhealthy. He's very unhealthy. And that's one of the things I mentioned in my Harmontown review is that he has a moment in the um in the documentary that he says that he has moments where he's where he experiences rage and he like he's he's a complete alcoholic alcoholic essentially. Um and he has moments where he's he says in the documentary he has moments where he blacks out and he feels like like he feels he feels um so much like 
John Doe from Seven. Like Jeez. that level of pain and everything. And it's like, okay, ass- you you have these you have the self-awareness you have the awareness to know that you have a problem and you have the means from running for television and everything to get professional help for those problems and you're not which that's i mean that's i don't know that's reductive of mental illness i'm sure but i mean just that whole tirade on twitter just rubbed me the wrong way and i i appreciate the guy's work and everything but he's just not He's not someone that we'll be inviting on the Obsessive Viewer podcast. <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> wow. So, that's a, yeah. That's a shame. It is. It really is. Cause What's I, his next uh, thing that he has? Does he have anything else in the hopper? Uh, probably. I don't know. Um, but the thing that just stuck out to me is in that documentary, people were saying, like, oh, he's a torture genius and everything. It's like, there's a difference between being a genius and being a, just a complete ass. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. And and I I can't remember exactly what it was, but I know that whatever set him off was just a, a borderline innocuous thing. A network TV show of success is not enough justification to act like <laughs> yeah. one you know, right. wrote an Academy Award winning movie. Right. Now, if Steve Jobs had done this when he was alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he put a thousand songs in our pocket. Right. Right. <laughs> Having said that, Greg. I feel like, why try? <laughs> I feel like... I feel like I feel like Bill Gates trying to build hardware. Matt just, you know, Matt just delivered a Sorkin-esque diatribe of Dan Harmon. Um, I only had two things. I uh, saw that Quentin Tarantino is getting a lot of flack for something he didn't say, but for standing up to police brutality. And, you know, he didn't say all cops are murderers. He said, I see something, and if I think it's murder, I'm going to say it's murder. And Mm -hmm. that isn't saying that all police go around and decapitate people or shoot them. Mm Um, but the police unions are already organizing and trying to get uh, to limit ticket sales of Hateful Eight. That's what it's about? What? Or that's what the, the whole controversy is about? Or yeah, the he, yeah he, he protested with a group about uh, police brutality. Wow. Um, and so he immediately got backlash and they twisted, you know, twisted his words. Yeah. And his, then they, went, they asked his dad for a comment. And his dad said, I did not support my son. I don't Jeez. believe, you know. And his dad didn't even get the quote. Jeez. You know what was actually said, um, but regardless, his movies are fantastic. Yeah, you know what? Say whatever you want, do whatever you want. You know, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, make great movies. I'm going to go see him. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, the other one I'm excited about is The Big Short. It's uh, Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, um, Steve Carell. Oh, oh yeah, and um, it's about it's a uh, Michael Lewis. It's about the subprime crisis, the build up to the subprime crisis, and oh, like, wow. how these guys were making all this. Like you know, the guys who basically created it, mm-hmm. and how they got rich, and you know, nice. the story's fa- fascinating. You're talking mm-hmm. about a medical doctor who creates a hedge fund and becomes you know ri- these richest men in the world by just mm-hmm. betting against things. Wow. So it's called The Big Short, and uh, I think it'll be really good because Brad Pitt's nice. uh, uh, producer on it, and then Christian Bale's the star, the main character. Um, nice. And I don't, if you know, like you saw Moneyball. Yeah. That's a Michael Lewis book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And then he's written, uh, what was his first one was about Wall Street as well. Oh, Liar's Poker. Um, hmm. Because he actually was on Wall Street and then realized he could, didn't have the soul for it. Yeah. Like, couldn't stomach what went on. So I, his stuff is always fascinating to me because it's such a great inside look. Hmm. And uh, I loved Moneyball, personally. Me too. Uh, yeah, I need to revisit it. I haven't seen it since the theater, but yeah. I, really, I enjoyed it. But yeah, those would be my two things. Um, and thank you for having me on. 
Oh, no problem. I will not jokingly make a snarky comment about being kicked <laughs> off. But I was just, I was just teeing up, or I was just uh, prepping, prepping to say, yeah, we'll see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt had his full dosage, so it takes a year to wear off. <laughs> but no, I appreciate it, and yeah, no I promise you. I will listen to the back archive. I will not miss an episode. <laughs> nice. You nice. Have my, you have, that'll be my Christmas gift to you is all those extra downloads. <laughs> we appreciate it. Nice. No, and you guys do excellent. And uh, yeah, your you. awesome write-up. Nice. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Could and, not uh, be more true. Yeah. yeah and that sky was blue nice. window. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Ladies. Ladies. Actually, right. <laughs> that should be your bio on every dating site, man. Ooh, yeah, it should be. I think that every... Uh, I think that every every podcast I mention that I'm single, so they know. <laughs> Everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, regardless, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I had a blast. Yeah. Hope yeah. it wasn't too jobsy or sorkiny. No. 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 Never. Oh, one too, but I forgot to forget. Uh, oh, no. One thing I walked away from that movie, Jobs. Mm. I walked away and I thought, man, I like. I thought Aaron Sorkin's awesome, and I kind of <laughs> thought, isn't that odd? I went to a Steve Jobs movie. <laughs> and, and I almost wonder if, like, he wrote himself into that. Yeah, I kind of yeah. wonder. Yeah. Huh. That's funny. Maybe I, th- yeah. I just thought in that I thought in that odd. I went to a Steve Jobs film and thought I felt like I was watching <laughs> or, or like hearing his thoughts of himself. Yeah. Out. Yeah. His inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, I left a Steve Jobs movie thinking, man, Sorkin is a genius. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 And that and that's crazy. Yeah. It is on itself. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So then, on that note, uh, we might as well just sign off because we've been talking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So thanks for listening, guys. And uh, once again, uh, thank you, Greg. And we are libertarians. dot com. Yeah, we are libertarians. dot com. Yeah. We have a podcast. So we try to do it weekly. And uh, if politics is your thing, I think you'll hopefully enjoy it because we're as re- very irreverent. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah, I'm a fan. I look forward to fifty dollars. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to you and Spangle uh, and everyone else there talking about the obsessive viewer on it. Oh, I, uh, we take so. cheap shots all the time. Oh, g- if you well, listen, they you do. know that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> 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 on that note, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Do we have a topic next week? Hammer down. Uh, Is that going to be the Project Greenlight? I don't know if we have leisure a hammer class. Down. Leisure class and uh, Project Greenlight. That little project that we're going to think about. I doing. thought we were going to do the childhood. Oh, I was thinking about that for a week or two later. Okay. Will you still be able to watch the leisure class? I hope so. I think so. Okay. It's on HBO. It should be easy to find. Yeah, I'll be able to watch it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So next week on the podcast, we should hopefully be doing uh, an episode about Project Greenlight and uh, the movie that it spawned this season, uh, which is kind of funny because now I just realized that we're kind of following uh, the schedule of Slash Filmcast. Not intentional, but um, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Um, Is there there are quite a few you're looking forward to, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, for Potpourri, we're just talking about anything we want, anything we've seen lately, or anything look coming up or anything. What's so. the name of the one with Billy Bob Thornton and Sandra Bullock about the? Uh, political revolution in Latin America and oh the yeah, advisors. our brand is crisis. Yes, our brand is crisis. Yeah, that doesn't look that good to me. <laughs> no, I just I think Billy Bob Thornton's so underappreciated. Oh my god, I love him. God, I mean, like even in Primary Colors with Travolta, I never saw that one. He plays um, James Carvel, who's the bald headed guy, looks like a skeleton. Sure, yeah, <laughs> and just I mean, a home run. Like he's despicable, dirty, disgusting, gross in this great mind, mm-hmm. but then totally like Louisiana white trash, like hillbilly. <laughs> 
Wow. But but that's him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, I I absolutely love Billy Bob Thornton. I trying to, what other major role? I loved him though as in uh, Armageddon as the head of that the like he actually pulled that one off. Yeah. He was uh he I haven't finished it yet, but he was in, he's in the first season of Fargo. Oh. Um and he he plays uh I don't know how familiar you are with uh the Coen brothers or anything, but uh, if you saw No Country for Old Men, he plays kind of an Anton Shaker kind of character Ooh. in Fargo. So it's like interacting with like Fargo people, not not, not from the movie or anything, but uh, just that that kind of blend of like Minnesota nice kind of kind of but totally thing. you but know slaughtering children. a monster. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. oh, it's it's. I need. I'm about three episodes left in the first season that I need to get to. But what about Devil in the White City? Have you heard any other update? Oh, I just heard I haven't. But uh, like they want they. It's ready to go. Yeah, I, I heard that it's. I think it's greenlit. But was it they were waiting um, on Shocktober to end? They didn't want to compete with Shocktober. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what. <laughs> that's it what is. I heard. Yeah, yeah. They Leo said. To, uh, and Scorsese said no, no, no. Not Matt. <laughs> right. Anybody but Matt. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so they were waiting for Shocktober. Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.